Welcome to the All or Nothing Podcast, where we bring to you companies that are here to change the game. And I'm your host, Rodrigo Ballone. Now, our next guest is constantly looking to create new products and redesign how we look at things. Let's welcome the co-founder of Thinks. She's also the co-founder of the Brooklyn Shoe Factory, and she's the founder of Antonia St. New York. Let's welcome Antonia Dunbar. How are you today? Hi. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Rodrigo. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm glad to have you on. Let's start with Thinks. You and your team are on a mission to change the way people think about periods. So tell us, what sparked this idea and led you down this path? So you'd have to go back in time some years. Um, and actually, you know, all of us women, I think if you were in a room with women and you asked them if they've ever had issues with their underwear not performing like they wanted them to, especially on certain days of the month, um, every woman would be like, yeah, our underwear sucks. Like it doesn't do what it needs to do. So the idea of Sinks was born out of necessity. We needed underwear that actually supported us during our monthly period. Um, the underwear that was in the market didn't address this issue at all. Um, and so uh, fast forward to myself talking with one of my co-founders, Mickey. Uh, we were having a conversation late at night once talking about wanting to do good and do well. And she's like, you know what? There was this idea that my, my sister Rada had years ago where we were actually at a family barbecue and my sister got her period while she was wearing her bathing suit. And us, you know, they're, they're identical twin sisters. So being identical twin sisters, they do so much together and they both ran to the bathroom together. And Rada actually instantly washed out the blood stain and looked at her sister, Mickey, and was like, oh my God, why isn't there stain-resistant technology in underwear? And that was the aha moment. And so that was probably, from what I understand from the girls, that was like 2005. So here we are now, fast-forwarding to November 2015, when we were up late talking about this you know, challenge of wanting to make the world a better place. And I was like, oh my God, a stingers is an underwear. We all need that. I don't know why that doesn't exist. We do need that. And uh, I remember writing in my journal that night, this is a huge idea. Like this idea needs to happen. And so something came alive inside of me. I am uh, the father, I'm, I'm the daughter of my father who was a chief of uh, design at General Motors for like 30 years. And I just got my design DNA clicked on. And so I took that seed of an idea of a stain-resistant underwear, and I was like, all right, well, it's got to also be leak-proof. I need it to be leak-proof. I know every woman would want it to be leak-proof, and it's got to be absorbent. It's got to be able to hold the blood, right? And then it's got to be able to, you know, to, to add to that, to, to um, riff on the technologies that exist now to make this underwear truly awesome, would be why not make it antimicrobial and moisture-wicking? Those technologies exist, and I knew that would be a, a comfort addition for the underwear design. So it just, you know, uh, it was a labor of love. It took us over two years to create, and I wrote the patent and went through probably 15 prototypes, which is actually a lot of prototypes with the production manager I found. And, you know, we, create a pro we created a product that is active and in the world and selling all around the world, and it's made by Nike's number one supplier, and people are telling each other how awesome it is, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're so grateful. And in and, and addition to that mission of creating this product that would solve a need for us, 
we also, you know, when we were up late that night, I didn't tell you this, but we were actually in India and we had that conversation and we had seen lots of poverty along the way. And that was part of our conversation too. It was like, oh my God, we have issues with leaking and staining in our underwear. Hello. But what do women here in the developing world use? And sure enough, we found that um, so many of them, more than 87 million are actually not even in school many times because of very simple things such as their, you know, their period. They oftentimes have one school dress and they just stay home during that week and then end up falling behind in class and then end up dropping out because they fall so far behind. So for launch, um, from the very beginning of our company, we've also always had to give back. We've also wanted to create change, not just in our communities, but around the world. So the way that it works has been that every time a pair of underwear sells, we had partnered with a company called Afropads. They make washable, reusable cloth pads. So every time a pair of underwear sells, we're able to fund the production of a pack of their washable, reusable cloth pads that helps a girl go back, you know, be in school with the supplies she needs. So, um, you know, it's always been about profit and purpose for me, for sure. And I'm, 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 I'm glad to say Thinks is definitely all about that. That's pretty cool in regards to what you guys are doing in India. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But you mentioned that Thinks undergarments are water resistant. So for those of us who don't know the plus and minuses to wearing pads or tampons, can you tell us how it works and what makes Thinks a better option than what's currently out there? Well, one of the first things is like the comfort and aesthetic, uh, you know, fact. So a woman's not entirely comfortable when she's wearing a pad. <laughs> Actually, uh, one story that Mickey tells is she got one of our male investors to invest in the company after asking him to put a pad on <laughs> in his own underwear and see what it felt like. And he was like, you've got to be kidding me. This is horrible. And that's what a lot of women, you know, face. Um, so comfort, we definitely have an incredibly comfortable pair of underwear utilizing the best fabrics and the technology makes it where you feel dry and you feel, um, you know, just totally supported and it's worry free. You're not worrying about leaking or staining, which trust me, if you ask any, if you actually break the taboo and you ask any of your girl, you know, friends that are girls, they'll all tell you that they, you know, there, there have been accidents along the way. So, um, you know, so first, comfort and aesthetics. So the underwear, we always wanted to make sure that this underwear looked like a regular pair of underwear, a beautiful pair of underwear. The first pairs that I identified in the beginning um, with our team were, you know, I, I researched the whole marketplace. And I was like, you know what hip huggers women love? They love cheeky style. They love songs still, no matter what. Even when they're on their period, they still wear songs. And then um, we, we made sure to make those styles from the very beginning because we wanted women to you know, feel like they didn't have to wear something different. And also, you know, forget granny panties. We want these to be beautiful underwear that women could feel great in. So um, that was first and foremost. And then the difference with pads and tampons is like you never know when you need to change them. Um, they will just surprise you when you need to change them unless you have yourself on a timer, you know when you need to change them, which is very rare. And so this just, you know, it's just frees up, keeps your head in the game of whatever it is that you're doing in your life. And it, and it, you know, you don't have to think about it. Um, and then additionally, one other main motivation for us in creating the brand is that each woman on this planet who is in a developed part of the world, she disposes 17,000 pads or tampons in her lifetime over the course of, you know, her monthly cycle, her monthly period. And what a horrible, um, destructive thing that is to our environment. Additionally, each year, 
each year, just try and get your head around this, 7 billion, with a B, applicators, plastic tampon applicators are disposed of. And oftentimes they end up in the oceans. They're even called beach whistles because they're so, you know, uh, apparent everywhere. So that was another issue that we wanted to solve. Um, and so the way that it works is that, you know, the underwear, it's no matter what color on the outside, it's black on the inside. There's technology throughout the whole entire thing that makes it antimicrobial and moisture wicking so you feel dry. And then you also have a leak-proof layer right where you need it. The hip hugger has the most um, you know, leak-proof layer up the back as well as absorption. And we even cut the gusset a little wider so you have extra support as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's a very freeing thing wearing your underwear versus having pads or tampons. And no one likes to see a pad in their underwear either. Like, it's just a very, you know, discreet and empowering option wearing the underwear. Well, what I like about what your team is doing is that you jumped into one of the most monopolized markets out there and found a way to create a completely new product. So what have been some of the biggest challenges you faced introducing a new product and growing your customer base? So you're right. Um, it is a monopolized market out there. Definitely owned. Uh, the space is, you know, owned by a few key underwear brands and it's actually a $15 billion marketplace. But we found that it was a patriarchal system in place where these products that were, they were providing us had beautiful aesthetic to them, but no functionality. And they were completely ignoring how this underwear needed to perform on specific days. And actually, I'm talking even just to really lay it clear to you and your listeners. <laughs> you know, yeah, we have our monthly period, right? That's menstrual blood. But you also have days when you're ovulating. So there's secretions then too, you know? Or, or what about after you are intimate with somebody? Wouldn't it be nice to have a pair of underwear on that, you know, you don't have to worry about afterwards it, it, some, anything leaking through to your pants, right? So underwear that just performs is something that we know that we needed. And in order to do it, we had to break the taboo. We had to actually talk about it. We had to educate people on what the product did, why it was going to be helpful to people, um, how it worked, what it feels like. Uh, and, you know, for those that were skeptical or wary at all, we have an incredible return policy of like 60 days, no questions asked. And what we found was that, you know, our message was very authentic. And so word of mouth just based on people using the product and loving the product, just helped the product spread. And we got a lot of incredible press even early on when we launched. Um, a lot of bloggers tried the product and wrote about it. So that was, that was one of the best ways to get exposure was, you know, really getting it out into people's hands, getting them to try it and getting them to fall in love with it. Um, and definitely, yeah, the biggest challenge was just breaking the taboo on it and talking about it and making it relatable for people. You mentioned earlier that in continents like India and Africa, there are millions of students dropping out of school because they don't have access to the proper resources for their periods. Now, seeing the problem is one thing, but solving is another. You and your team have decided to do something about it and have teamed up with another company in order to serve those markets. So what advice would you give entrepreneurs that are looking to expand into new territory and sell product in new markets? Well, one thing that comes to mind is that I remember early on when we had started the company, 
we were really trying to climb a couple mountains at once. And I remember our early discussions were like, okay, so we're going to make the underwear and then, God, we need to set up a company in, you know, somewhere in Africa where there's the greatest need. And sure enough, we found that Uganda was one of those places. And we've got to figure out how to make the pads. And I mean, we were trying to actually do everything. And that was such a novice's, you know, mistake to try and do that. Um, and, you know, after some brainstorming, we realized, wait, we just need to partner with somebody that's already there on the ground, that already has a system in place, they're already producing products to create the solution um, for menstrual product needs in these, in these areas. And uh, we don't, we need to focus on the business of actually selling the underwear that will power this give back. So uh, it reminds me, you know, um, I don't know if you're familiar with this one TED Talk, Ernesto Ciroli. He talked about how these, um, you know, somewhat missionary type people went into Zambia and tried to teach the Zambian people how to grow food. And so they taught them, you know, how to grow all these beautiful Italian tomatoes and zucchinis. And sure enough, over time, they had all this gorgeous produce. And it was one night that all these hippos came and ate all the food. <laughs> and the next day, they were like, wait a second, we helped you guys grow this food and now the food is gone. And the Zambian people said, well, yeah, if you asked us, like, that's what we would tell you. That's why we don't grow food in this way because the hippos will eat it. And it's definitely a, um, a assumption to go into someplace and think, okay, I know how to do this. I'm going to try and you know, create something that's going to work for you. Well, really align yourself with the experts that are already there and try and serve those communities with people that are actually of that culture or they're in that culture, immersed in that culture. And then you can, you know, help, help, you know, address whatever issues they have there. You know, every culture is so different. And you really have to have experts on the ground there to, you know, help you understand it. You can't just take the, let's say, American model and replicate it. It won't work. So that would be my advice. Work with, work with experts in the areas. I think you're right. And I think that it also translates into the marketing. Antonia, you have a strong background in PR and marketing and have worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. What advice would you give a company that is looking to create the right message and get it to the right target market? So I find that increasingly in today's culture, there's so much noise. <laughs> and it's like, how do you break through that noise? And it really comes down to storytelling and clear communication, having a compelling message, um, being able to clearly state why this product or this service is going to be helpful and empowering to someone's life. Um, but also, people with all this noise, with all this stuff coming at them on a daily basis, I mean, I think there, there's some great statistics out there about how many ads people are exposed on a, on a daily or weekly or monthly basis, and it's, it's quite high. Um, and I think the way to break through that is to be authentic. And, you know, our, our Subway ads that our team created over the last, you know, year and a half or so now, I'm so proud of our team for them because they really captured the voice of the brand. And, you know, and our brand skews a bit more millennial. So some of the ads definitely had a millennial language to them. 
uh, abbreviations like AF, which I can't say on, on, on air with you, but as F you, you know, <laughs> you can fill in the rest. <laughs> and they would, we would mm-hmm. use words and statements like that. And people would, you know, get a smirk and be like, oh my God, this brand is like talking to me like they're my friend. And it just cre- it helped create and, and, and strengthen the relationship and the communication we were having with them. And it's not all about selling. Um, you know, it's not all about selling the brand. Um, it's about providing, you know, providing a clear storytelling and a compelling message and connecting with the user on, on a human level. What I like about your journey is that you've been able to express your creativity in different ways, not only in business, but you're a professional musician as well. How has stepping on stage with some of the biggest acts in music helped you in business? Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, I was raised as a classically trained cellist. That was my mother's dream for me to be up there and on stage in these big flowing gowns and <laughs> play to huge auditoriums of people and tour worldwide and da 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 da. And while I did have a gift for that and I did love playing, it just did not did not satisfy my soul. Um, and definitely when thinks the possibility of that becoming real, I just dedicated everything to it. But learning to be a cellist, and it was very rigorous growing up. I mean, I had to practice daily. Uh, I remember one to two hours when I was a kid was forever. Oh, my God, it was forever. I mean, if you think <laughs> about it, when you're like, let's say, 10 years old, one hour is such a bigger part of your life because you've only lived 10 years. <laughs> Whereas mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, my God, I can't get anything done in an hour. I've lived so many more at my age. Um, but definitely the diligence of daily practice, seeing how you might not be able to hit those high notes or make that challenging riff uh, every time. But with practice, you really can improve, and then ultimately you can do it. So that rigor, that rigor definitely informed the prototyping process like not giving up when it wasn't quite re- you know, good enough for something that I would be proud of to bring into the marketplace. Like I wanted it, to, I, want, I saw a vision of what I knew this product, you know, I, I wanted it to perform, how I wanted it to perform and how I wanted it to look. And so just continuing to make adjustments and just not give up, like that definitely was informed by playing music for sure. And... I think visualization too. Like when I would do competitions, I, I mean, my parents, my God, I think I did 10 competitions a year, which is a lot. And every summer I was away at one or two weeks um, at a time for the whole summer long. So all eight weeks, it was music camp. I never had a summer at home. So visualizing the competitions and the performances and seeing myself hit those notes and do well um, really helped my performances and and winning awards. I mean, I got into Northwestern University on almost a full scholarship uh, because of cello. So um, I had a vision for you know for things early on when when Mickey, my one co-founder, told me about the idea. Um, you know, I just saw it. I could just see it be successful. I could see it. I even saw like women on the train wearing them of course they'd be clothes but like I just knew (laughs) that somehow 
they were wearing our underwear underneath. I just could see it. I just, I just had a vision for it being real. And I think if you can dream and, and see something um, in your mind's eye, you can absolutely make it come to pass in, 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 the, in the world. I have a quote on my wall as you walk up the stairs into my house. Um, and it's funny, I probably don't know the exact quote, although I see it every day, but it says something like, you know, in your, in your imaginings, um, whatever you believe in, you know, you can make real. And it's just so true. I've seen it, I've seen it time and again in my life, even when it comes down to little things. Um, it happens. You first have to see it and then speak it. Speak it into reality. Power of the word is so incredible. It's really incredible. And this world needs a lot of solutions. So we need, we need more people to rise to the occasion. Whatever they feel inside their heart of like, oh my God, this is a bad thing that the world is dealing with and I have an idea to help solve it. Oh my God, start speaking it into reality and find the people to help you make it you know, in the world and, and create those solutions because my God, we need it. We need all the help we can get on this planet. <laughs> You're right about that. There's no telling how much longer some of these companies are going to be destroying this planet. But when you were describing your upbringing and how your rigorous schedule helped you develop the ability to put in the work day in and day out, and how you also um, reevaluated yourself to make sure that you're improving, I thought that was unique because you usually hear that when people talk about sports, not a musician. Mm -hmm. But just like in business, when it comes to music, you've been able to apply your skills in multiple areas. You not only play music at a high level, but you've helped develop music for commercials, films, and even the New York Knicks. Now, most people can't even figure out their talents, let alone utilize them. So what is it about your mindset that allows you to see opportunity when others see hurdles? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that about sports and the connection to you know, the mindset that you have in, in one's success. I have to be honest with you and say that, God, I think 15 years of my life just passed only seeing the hurdles, as a matter of fact. Feeling like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm in an industry. I mean, for a long time I was in the industry of advertising and I, I, I hate to admit it, but I hated it. And I just felt this soul-crushing feeling on a daily basis, like I'm not doing what my soul feels like I am destined to do. Um, I knew I was, wanted to live a life of purpose. I knew I wanted to live where I was, I was helping make this world a better place. Um, you know, I, I think advertising is important in communicating messages, but, but, you know, sometimes the ads we were doing, it was just, oh, God, not anything I would want to be part of, just to be, you know, frank with you. Um, and so I struggled internally, like, what are my gifts? What am I good at? Like, what can I do? I've been raised to be this cellist. You know, I was also in public relations. So I was really good with people and I did events. And, you know, I, I was playing with really great artists at my cello and helping people create, you know, great music. And, you know, there were aspects of it that were fulfilling. I mean, I did love uplifting someone's heart through song or making them feel or process an emotion through song. Um, and actually, there's a storytelling element to music, absolutely, especially lyrical music. But I just didn't feel like I was making as big of an 
impact. And I am not, by the way, at all discrediting anything, anything that artists do in the world. We need artists in the world. The artists in the world that create music for a daily you know, living, the world would be so barren without that. We need our creative people out in the world. Um, absolutely. Um, but for me, I felt like I needed to create in a different way. It was just a, it was just an internal feeling that just always was unsettled within me. And so, you know, like I said, when I was presented with creating this underwear, um, spark of my father's DNA came alive in me. I mean, I didn't even know I had this skill and it just felt so natural to create this solution and to design, uh, you know, a product, um, that, that needed to perform in certain ways. And, um, I'm actually doing it now again um, for a new for a new product um, that I know we're going to talk about. But but you know you God the mindset yeah the mindset it's like you have to get to that point where you do feel like your purpose is being fulfilled. And you've got to figure out what is it in your heart that you really do want to do and, and really do want to contribute um, to this earth and to its people and to its beings that are here. Um, and, and it does take a athlete's mentality because you can get down on yourself and criticize yourself and get your mind properly functioning where ideas will come and solutions will come. You can cut that and just become negative and then the ideas won't come and the solutions won't come and your you know, um, destiny will never be fulfilled because you're just looking at the hurdles. You've got to look beyond that and, and, and see the vision, like I was saying before. See it real. And don't feel like it's going to be all you creating it. I mean, we have an incredible team at Thinks, as an example. They've got 35 people there, all with distinct tasks, all bringing the vision to life, bringing it out into the world. We would not be the company that we are if it wasn't for a team of people working together. And I know early on that was, that was tough because so much, like, you know, I was handling all the operations for the company. I had never done that before. You know, I led the design of the, co you know, the product. I wrote the patents. Like, there were so many things that were new and first-time, you know, tasks for me. So, my goodness, when we hired our first person, our second person, our third person, it felt so great because then we had this team bringing it to life. So, you know, yeah, it's definitely important to maintain a positive mindset and see that goal of where you think, you know, of your future destination because that really does compel it to come along. I do want to switch gears a little bit. Recently, you started a high-tech shoe company that provides customers with customized fit shoes. Can you tell us about it, how it works, and what makes it different from the rest of the market? Yeah, so um, ever since I actually, God, had the hardest time walking all the way west to our Sinks headquarters in the city. Um, it was like a 20-minute walk. My feet were killing me. And I ended up wearing the same pair of shoes that were like my go-to comfortable shoes um, with every outfit. <laughs> and I was annoyed because I had so many great shoes that I wanted to wear, but I couldn't. And I was like, there's got to be a more so, you know, comfortable solution for women that also looks good and, and that fits. So many of my shoes didn't even fit, and I didn't realize it. Um, so... Lo and behold, I started to work on this idea and I actually consulted with our nation's foremost podiatrist um, and, and I, we addressed every pain point that a woman has at her feet and especially when wearing flats or high heels. And typically these shoes have no 
cushioning modifications to them to give support and properly cushion the foot. Also, 60% of our population, men and women included, actually has two different sized feet. Do you know if you have two different sized feet? Like one shoe is tighter than the other? I don't think so. I'm going to have to check again. <laughs> but you know? I, I, All right. Well, I <laughs> yeah, start, start paying attention because you might surprise yourself. But 60% of the population literally has two different sized feet. Also, you know, surveys from the, um, you know, the footwear organizations have, have, have shown that, you know, 81% of people have actually had problems with their feet. And many of them have seen a foot specialist. But oftentimes what women do, the nicest thing they do to their feet is they'll paint their toenails. Like they don't really take care of their feet. Yet our feet are our foundation. They're they are literally what we stand on and move through this world on. So I created a high-tech shoe with some patent-pending technology and design that um, looks like a classic heel or a flat on the outside, but it feels like a sneaker on the inside. And, you know, women can go out there and be all that they're able to be and not be in pain while doing it. Uh, we're also offering the ability to custom fit the shoes because right now in the marketplace, it's a mass production uh, mentality where you get a pair of shoes off the shelf and they're supposed to fit your feet, yet, again, you got two different size feet, and also there's an array of widths that people come in. But our major manufacturers these days have whittled down the width to one. Um, and that's just not realistic, and that doesn't lend comfort at, at all. Actually, 80% of women buy shoes that are too small for their feet. 80%. And I was one of them. Every single time I would go into a shoe store, it would fit while I was in the shoe store because I was always buying for that smaller foot, too. Um, or actually, the larger foot. And so, anyhow, after the course of the day, your feet swell. And so your shoes don't end up fitting. And especially, you know, once you have a kid, if a woman does have a child, I actually have an 11-month-old. She's amazing. Um, my feet totally changed <laughs> after being pregnant. So, you know, many people don't even know their proper size. The last time they've been fit for shoes is when they were done going through puberty, maybe like when they were 18. But your feet do continue to change. So we are offering the ability to do custom fitting through a partnership we have with an awesome 3D uh, foot scanning technology. Um, it's an app you can download to your smartphone. And then we also have a proprietary custom fit kit that you can just give measurements on and input it all into your profile that lives online. So every time you get a pair of shoes um, from us, they'll be made for your measurements. That's pretty cool, but you still have to sell your product, and people buy products based on how the brand makes them feel, especially in the footwear industry. So what advice would you give startups that are looking to build trust and establish a strong brand identity? Well, it goes back to what I was saying before where, you know, so many times companies are just trying to sell their products. They're just trying to push, and they don't really develop a relationship with the people they're they're selling to, and I think it's important to be authentic, um, to really stand for something, have a point of view, share that point of view. Um, it's it's really a long term relationship you want to create with your with your customers. Be clear in how the product will benefit them, uh, but don't make it all about the product. You know, make it about the feeling that one gets when they interact with your product, whether it's humor or insights or, or something. Um, I think it's great. One thing I love that our team does at Thinks is 
Uh, we provide content on a weekly basis through our newsletters where it's not actually asking for a sale. It's like, here's some feminist news. Here's some news in health that you might not know about. And so it really just creates a relationship with the customer uh, where their go-to source for info. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's really like add value to people's lives. It can't all be about selling in a one-way street. Add value. The world needs more value, less noise. <laughs> Antonia, that was a great interview. You definitely gave a lot of good information. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to tell our audience before you go? Um, anything else I want to tell the audience? I would say do some deep you know, soul searching if you find yourself in a job or a career path that just doesn't fulfill you. This world needs so many more problem solvers and less... Um, you know, people that just say yes and keep their head down and do what's expected of them to fit within our society's system, right, um, of job, work, you know, little play. <laughs> I mean, this world does need definitely the hard workers out there, but the hard workers that are going to create some solutions. If I could do it all, I would be like Elon Musk. I would want to uh, create some solutions for sustainable energy, uh, definitely eviscerate the whole way that we recycle things and make products that are much more sustainable. I would do away with plastic entirely. I mean, that's, a, that's completely created from our fossil fuels, an oil-based product. I mean, we need solutions. I wish somebody out there would go door to door, especially in New York, and get all these delis <laughs> that represent so many restaurants throughout the country that use one-off thick plastic containers. Like somebody go door to door and sell them on the idea of the corn-based plastic that's out there. And yes, it might be more expensive right now, but that's just like organic food in the beginning. It was more expensive in the beginning because not, it wasn't widely available, but the demand from people made it less expensive. So I encourage your audience to just go out there and find solutions and do something about it. That's what I'm talking about. Find solutions and make sure you save the world in the process. I want to thank... <laughs> I want to thank Antonia St. Dunbar for being on the show. And if you want to hear more interviews like this, follow the All or Nothing podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Tidal. That's a wrap for this episode of All or Nothing, where we bring to you companies that are here to change the game. And I'm your host, Rodrigo Ballone.